I know he loved me, and of course I loved him, but he didn't like me. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Life is for the Living. In our last episode, we learned about the secrets of happy marriages, but not all marriages are happy. And in this episode, we have our guests Gada's beautiful but heartbreaking story of her 17-year marriage with her ex-husband, Abraham. I was waitressing. I, uh, my boss was a Syrian guy, a Middle Eastern guy, and one day I was working and I was upset about something. I I, don't, I can't remember. I, I think I got in a fight with my mom, which was a normal thing. I, like I said, leaving that, you know. And he said something about you need to honor your parents or something like you can't torture them like this. And then later that day, a friend of mine that I used to, a friend, a guy friend that I used to waitress, I we used to wait, wait her together. Um, came in to visit me at work and he sat at the bar and my boss saw him and I said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. It was like, well, it was just a small conversation, something about, oh yeah, we are going to go out later, go out like as friends, not like I'm not, I wasn't dating this guy or anything. And this boss of mine was horrified and he's like, we need to get you married. We, you're he was afraid that I was like kind of heading down a path and I wasn't, I wasn't, I hadn't dated anyone. I hadn't, you know, so he's like, I have this best friend of mine who is so awesome. You have to meet him. And his best friend was the guy I married was Abraham. He was, uh, I did. I wanted to stop the fighting with my mom. I kind of wanted to, it was like a, it really was to please my parents. Like I wanted, I wasn't a bad girl. I didn't think I was a bad girl, but I felt like they thought that I was a bad girl. So I wanted to, to do the right, like, you know, Muslim, you know, Middle Eastern woman, right thing and get married and settle down and make my parents proud. So... I met this guy, um, he's 16 years older than me. He was 37 at the time. I was 20, I think, when, 21 when I met him. Yeah, this was in August. It was August was when I met him. It was a little bit rash, irrational, I guess, on my part, because I, I just... There was a lot that happened before that. I did, like I just wanted to settle down and I want like I said I wanted to to do what is right. Met this guy in August, Abraham. We were married in February. That's how quickly it happened. Yeah. What attracted you to him besides So at first, it's funny I tell the story and he loves the story when his friend said, "You got to meet my best friend." And mind you, my boss is an older guy, right? And I'm like, your best friend. Like, I pictured this, like, short, fat, bald guy. <laughs> um, and so when I met Abraham, I was 
surprised. He was not any of those things. He had a hair, had a full hair. He, he was a really good looking guy, you know, beautiful eyes. He was very, um, just, just really cute, you know, really cute. And his Abraham story is he left Syria when he was 15 and went to Greece and he he raised himself practically, you know, so he's been on his own. He was in Greece and he speaks Greek very fluently. As a matter of fact, he was a translator at one point and then had been here in the U.S. when I met him a few years, I think. I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> oh, what attracted me to him was that I felt it was the best of both worlds. He was Middle Eastern. He had the values that I wanted that were important that my family had, but yet he was Westernized. He was European, you know, he was, he's from Europe and he seemed to be very progressive and just love to do the fun thing, going to the movies, you know, like we had that in common. Uh, we loved going to the movies and going out to restaurants and grabbing cappuccinos and things like that. He was into that stuff that um, that I could relate to. So I I was for it. And then three days after, like I had no, we used to hang out a lot. Like we met, we hung out so much. And then I decided, no, I'm not marrying this guy. I'm not doing this. I... <laughs> I still have like some, I don't know, living in me to do. I, my friend had, I had a, my best friend, we used to go to Mexico a lot. We'd go to Ensenada. She had a little house on the beach and we'd just go, we'd just go to, you know, we'd just sunbathe and go clubbing and drinking. And, and I'm like that, I just started doing that. If I get married now, like I'm not going to be able to do that. So I started to have second, um, yeah, yeah, I started avoiding him and wouldn't take his calls and he would call and my mom would lie for me. She'd be like, she's sleeping or she's not here or, uh, but he was relentless and he would not leave me alone. And one day I got out of work and he was standing right, he, he would do that a lot. He would like, he would get like one day he came and took my keys like, why do you want with my keys? He goes, he would take my car keys. And then he went and got my car detailed. Or he would like put flowers in my car. Another time I'd go out to my car and they'd be like sweaters, <laughs> you know? So still wasn't budging. I'm thinking, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And one day he shows up. He's standing outside of work. I step outside and he hands me a cup of coffee. And I grabbed the cup of coffee to sip it thinking it was going to be bitter. Like it was going to, at the time I used to put like a half an envelope of equal in my coffee. Um, Took the sip thinking it was going to be bitter. And it wasn't, it was perfect. It was exactly the way I do my coffee. And I just looked at him and I said, let's get married. <laughs> so as crazy as that is, it was Honestly, it was over a cup of coffee. I'm like, this guy is so observant of me. He knows how I, you know, he pays attention. He's watching how I, you know, how I fix my coffee, 
how do you not want to spend the rest of your life with someone like that? So yeah, we get we get married. Uh but of course, I mean, you know, what is it? I said August to February, that's what's four months, five, six months. You know, how well do you know someone? We were just we get we get married. We had a beautiful wedding. We had we did get in a fight the night before our wedding. I didn't think he was gonna show up. He had a little bit of quirks. I threw a parsley at him and he got offended by that and he just got really upset and I honestly did not think he was going to show up to the wedding the next day over it um but he did and um no we definitely were not compatible at all at all he he's a beautiful human being but yeah we I think I got pregnant on my wedding night <laughs> <laughs> and so got married in February. My son was born in in November of that same year. So that year I turned 22, got married and had a kid. It's a lot in, in a nine months period. Yeah. But it didn't. Our marriage just, yeah, we got along, but I know he loved me. And of course I loved him. But he didn't like me. Oh. And I swear I tried really hard throughout the marriage. I mean, we had four beautiful children, you know? Um, but intimacy was very, very spare. He had this thing where he would get upset at something that had nothing to do with me, nothing at all. And he would just stop talking to me. The silent treatment was our marriage. That's how we, um, 18 months, not speaking a word. I'd walk in a room, he'd walk out. If I had made a pot of coffee and had a cup and he wanted one, he would dump the pot out and make a brand new one. He'd, um, yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't hatred. He didn't hate me. I, I don't know. I don't know what was going on with him. And it, I thought maybe I wasn't attractive enough. So I would like work on that. I thought maybe if I was a better housekeeper, I'd work on that. I thought maybe if I was a better cook, you know, uh, and then finally, the one thing that came out of it is, I know it's not, it's not my abilities. Like it's not being a good cook or a good mom or a, it's that I'm not smart. Maybe I'm not smart. And that's what he's, why he's not interested. So that's when I went back to school. Um, and I went back to school and I thought maybe if I'm a little educated, he'll maybe have like, you know, he'll respect me a little bit. And he was supportive of that. He was amazing the whole time I was, you know, I went back to school when Sarah was like nine months old, I think. And I was always in school. I was like always full time, but things would happen to where, you know, I got, I was pregnant twice while I was in school. 
And when I finally graduated and finished Hannah, my youngest, she was born in May. And I graduated June 11th, carrying 22 units in school. But that was probably, I have to say, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was the school part. And funny is I never put it together until now is I did it for him. Um, the irony of it is I did it for him. I wanted him to be proud that he has an educated wife. And then when the marriage fell apart, the rumor was that I used him that I stayed married to him to get educated. And as soon as I got my degree, I left him. And that was not the case at all. Uh, I finally left because, you know, like I said, Abraham is a beautiful human being. He really was an amazing dad. He was very kind and generous, but he, he had issues. He had a lot of demons. One of them was gambling. Uh, the gambling got out of control to where, you know, like we were, it was, our whole marriage was kind of like that. It was like, I'm $50,000 in debt. I'm $75,000 in debt. I, even when I was in school, I took out student loans to pay off some of his, um, some of his gambling debt. And it was towards the end where, um, you know, like I said, I finished school. I was working for this company, not making that much money. For five years, I was helping, contributing to the finances of the house. We still weren't making ends meet at all. We were worse than when, when financially than when it was just a single household income because of his gambling. And then... I, when I got a better job, I got a job at the city. It was almost double what I was making. Him and I were in that silent treatment. We, we hadn't spoken in about four, 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 I think it was four, four months. We hadn't spoken to each other at all. Well, that was another thing. It's that, that part was starting to take a toll on me too. You're just like, you're like, I'm married. I have this beautiful family. I have coworkers that love me and everybody thinks I'm great. What is going on in my marriage that my husband won't speak to me? You know, I finally said, it. I'm leaving. Like I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I shouldn't be married with a family and be the loneliest person. Do you know what I mean? Like I that's when I, I think that's when I owned it. And I'm like, I deserve better. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to do this anymore. Not only that, but financially, I had a son that was, uh, you know, about to finish high school. He's about to go into college. And, and I don't know what constantly watching credit, his credit history and his reports and that anxiety of like not knowing, like, am I going to, you know, are we going to pay our mortgage? That stress was too much. I couldn't handle it anymore. I'm like, I'm going to, and that's what it was. It started out with wanting to take control of things financially, 
but I didn't know how to do it without stepping away from the marriage. Because I, you know, his paychecks were on, um, what is it? Auto, you know, sometimes there was a paycheck, sometimes there wasn't. So anyway, I, we weren't speaking when I got this second job with the city. It was a good position and I knew it was going to be life changing. And I remember I called him when they offered me the position. So before that, he would call me all the time and he would say, he'd get frustrated in the morning when he was speaking to me. He'd call me at work at eight in the morning. I can't do this. I can't take care of your kids anymore. You need to find someone to take, get your kids to school. I can't do this. They're giving me a hard time. And he would hang up the phone on me like, and I'm at work. Like, what do you want? You know, one of the kids would be giving him a hard time and that he would like take it to extreme by calling me and telling me this stuff. And I'm like, here I am at work. Like, what do you, what, what can I do? Like, I can't help you, you know? So anyway, when, when I got the offer for the job, I ended up calling him. I got to work and I called him and he's like, I said, I want to know, like, you know, we haven't spoken in four months. Like, where do we stand? I kind of have a decision I got to make. It's a life changing decision. And I just need to know where are we at? I can't, I'm, I can't do this anymore. The speaking, not speaking. I, I can't do this anymore. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, our marriage. He's like, find someone to take care of your kids. I'm done. I said, okay. I'm okay with that, but I don't want you to go back and forth with this decision. I don't know if you guys know this, but in, in the, in the Muslim culture, Islamic way, when you ask for a divorce, if a guy says divorce, divorce, divorce three times verbally to you, it's official. You're done. Your marriage is over. So on this phone conversation, I said, if it's over, I want you to say it right now. Say it. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Say it. And he starts laughing. <laughs> I'm like, if you're really done, say it. And he la he starts laughing at me and I think he ended up hang hanging up. But I went home that day and I actually started the process. I filed. Um, and it was, it was hell. We lived under the same roof for another four months, six months. And the divorce was dragging on and he wasn't moving out and he wasn't leaving. And I think we talked and fought and communicated in those six months more than we had done our entire 17 year of marriage. But I did. I left. I got an apartment, moved out with the kids. Um, they were pretty young. Hannah was, I think, still in kindergarten. Of course, there was backlash to that. He didn't think. He thought I was bluffing, I guess. I, I don't know. He didn't take it well and just stopped. It wouldn't help. It would not, you know, at, at, in the beginning, at least he was like taking the kids to school. I had you know, after school help and before school help. Now it was nothing. It was just me with four kids. 
I was paying $995 for before and after school childcare, which was just a little less than my rent. And of course, I couldn't keep going like that. So really quickly, I, uh, Samir was at that age, we got him driving. You know, I gave him my van. He would, he would pick up his, um, I used to pick up the kids during my lunch break, all of them, before he started driving and I would drop them off at home and then he would watch them. That's how I got out of the having to pay for after school childcare. I still had to pay for the morning. Um, but little by little, it just, it just, I don't know. It just happened. They start, the, the kids started Samir, Samir stepped in big time. My oldest was like, he really, you know, I feel guilty and I feel bad for the responsibility that was put on him, but he stepped up and he was taking care of the kids and I was working. Um, like I said, I was working for the city. It was, my shift was like from 10 to six, but I was off every Friday, even though, I mean, it, yeah, it was a struggle also financially, but somehow, I don't know, the kids were happy. You know, they, for the first time, you know, I think children are, they really do pick up from, um, their, they, they learn about relationships from their parents. They would, yeah, I had four kids in the house when we were, when, you know, when, when I was married, but you wouldn't think there were any kids in the house. Everybody was just like, they retrieved their own rooms and, you know, very little, like little communication or talking. It's not the household you would think that, you know, kids are, you know, um, I know that both like Sarah, all of them, all my children, they would get upset about something and they would just go and sulk. They wouldn't talk about it. They wouldn't say what's upsetting them. And I think they were learning that from me and their dad because we weren't, we never, we didn't fight. We didn't, we didn't talk. We didn't talk. We didn't communicate. So it was beautiful to see when I moved out how much that changed in a very, very short period of time. All four of them came to life with their bantering and with their teasing each other and just playing tricks on each other and joking and laughing and... is a perfect segue into our next episode where we'll be talking about children specifically what we teach them and what they teach us if you have any suggestions about future guests topics or just want to chat in general you can reach us at at life is for the l on twitter and instagram or email us at life is for the living podcast at gmail.com the life is for the living podcast is written by me rebecca richmond and produced by marco burlo thanks for listening